power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Technica podcast feed. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Ooh, the man of tomorrow here for you for some TIE Fighter Renegades, baby. Doing a little solo show here. Uh, we'll get Rob in for the big overview look of really what is the most exciting thing going in Star Wars. And, and frankly, aside from, you know, the Andor show, um, it's the most exciting thing that's happened in years. I mean, since like 2016 when Rogue One came out. Um, well, okay, I mean, season seven of Clone Wars is cool. Anyway, <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe Star Wars shows should just stick with the let with just being named with the letter A, right? Like Andor's great, Ahsoka's great. We're going to talk about that. Got the Acolyte coming up. Excited for that. I, I like this string of, of shows that begin with an A. <laughs> Maybe that's the magic trick. I don't know. Um, regardless, uh, not a long episode here, but I want to get into, dive into some of what's been going on since Rob and I did review the first three episodes of Star Wars Ahsoka. And we are coming up on the last one episode, or should I say part seven, uh, just uh, just went live this past Tuesday as of this episode being the episode I'm recording, uh, being released. And yeah, I, I mean, I'll admit I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. And it's really important with the last episode on the way. And we don't know if there's going to be a season two, like we don't, we don't have that confirmation. Um, so we're basically, and still are flying blind as to whether or not any of the varying uh, uh, loose threads, as the Night Sisters would say, if any of the loose threads are ever going to get resolution, or or if they're even meant to, or whatever, you know, we we don't know. Okay, now we know there is a larger Filoni verse being developed that's going to culminate into an Avengers Endgame style movie, uh, which I'm certainly excited to see happen. Not because Avengers Endgame is good, but just because Filoni does the business. Okay. Um. You know, but we don't know if we're going to get more of this Star Wars Ahsoka show. It could end up, you know, like the story continues either in Mandalorian season four or in some other show that that is planned that is yet to be announced, which not that I'm complaining, because at the same time, I'd rather things not get announced that never end up actually being released. Um, of course, right now we are in a climate where the writer's strike in Hollywood um, has tentatively come to an end. Um, and I guess there's some protections around AI technology within that. Uh, there's still other aspects I think that have to get worked out, but it looks like Hollywood is about to get back into business, even though some aspects of it never really stopped either, uh, just because they worked out side deals or whatever else. I don't know that star Wars is necessarily a part of that. Um, but even if we are to get a season two of Ahsoka, it could be a while because of this, because production was halted for months and months and months and months. Um, we'll see. That said, uh, again, coming into, you know, we're just, re I'm releasing this just ahead of part eight, the, the conclusion of either the entire series, Star Wars Ahsoka, or of this season anyway. 
Again, if we find out it is going to be multi-season. Uh, keep in mind that much like what happened with the Mandalorian season three, part eight uh, of Ahsoka could completely crash. Like it might not stick the landing because the finale for season three of the Mandalorian did not stick the landing. In fact, it soured the entire season, which up to that point I thought was really solid. I really liked it. I didn't understand what people were really complaining about. Um, but then when we got to the end of it, it's like, uh, what the hell was that? Well, we'll see. We might end up with similar reactions once part eight gets released next Tuesday, next Tano Tuesday, as they call it. Uh, or, you know, it might, they might stick the landing and we might be in for an incredible time. Um, I, I'm admittedly more so than I've been, and I'm going to get into this. Okay. I'm admittedly, I'm sweating a little just how, just how well part eight may stick the landing. Cause just on the trajectory from part seven, I don't know. I don't know that it will because it just, it, well, we'll talk about it before we talk about it though. I want to tell you about something that I make sure to take in, you know, before I dive in to my favorite, uh, alternate worlds, you know, like star Wars. And before I get behind the mic to deliver all this creamy goodness to you, I like to pound back a shot of magic mind. Now magic mind. You've heard me talk about it before. Okay. This is something that's just become a part of my regimen. Magic mind. I like the, the, the branding. It says it's the world's first productivity shot. I, I really like that. Why? <laughs> because as I've said, as someone who has been a coffee drinker for far too long, okay, working on getting off of that, I've always said as much as I've uh, uh, consumed coffee and cared for it, I've always said, this is the drink of a slave species, right? <laughs> Well, to me, magic mind is the drink of a not slave species of a, a species that is getting shit done and getting to the next level. Now, why do I say that? Well, for one, it doesn't make me crash like coffee does, which is great. Um, the other beautiful thing about it, I love the ingredients that are in all, you know, ashwagandha, uh, the different, uh, mushroom compounds, all of that, which I used to have to take you know, like a bunch of, a bunch of uh, supplements, you know, I'd have to take them, you know, kind of all, all at once or throughout the day. And it was an incredible pain in the butt. However, with magic mind, it's all right there. One shot, boom, pound it back. And I'm good to go with no crash, by the way, I love it. I dig it. And if, you know, my mind is going on a ride with a bunch of space whales, <laughs> a psychedelic hyperspace trip with a bunch of space whales to another galaxy while watching star Wars. You better believe I want to be on my a game when I'm doing that. And that's where magic mind comes in. So I want you to give it a shot. Okay. And again, because you're hearing it from me, I got to, you know, like I, I I'm so into this. I got a great deal for you. Okay. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to magicmind.com slash Sovereign Technica, just like the podcast feed. Sovereign Technica, okay? S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech N-I-C-A. Sovereign Technica. All right, so magicmind.com slash Sovereign Technica. And if you do this within the next 10 days, 
you get 56% off your subscription. If you use the code sovereign 20, just like my name, just like Dr. Brian sovereign S O V V as in Victor S O V R Y N sovereign 20. And you'll get that. You'll get that discount. Also, it'll let them know where you heard about it from. And I'd appreciate it if you did. Um, I, I, I dig it. Like I said, before I'm getting behind, even, even getting behind this microphone, I'm jumping on magic mind and I'm inspired to have you try it as well. But again, make sure do it within the next 10 days. If you're hearing this, okay. Magicmind.com slash sovereign technica. Okay. That'll get you the 56% off your subscription. When you also use the code sovereign 20 S O V R Y N two zero sovereign 20. Now after the 10 days, if you use that code sovereign 20, you'll still just get 20% off. But if you use, if you use the URL again, magicmind.com slash sovereign technica, and then use the code sovereign 20, you're going to get 56% off. Go for it. Okay. Uh, now let's get into <laughs> our subject of the moment. That being star Wars Ahsoka. And it's all, it'd be our review of parts four, five, six, and seven leading into part Eight. So let's make the short of it here. Uh, this show basically from episode or from parts, I got to use the saying parts cause they're not calling them episodes, which I think is brilliant. Um, you know, my long standing point that this is really just a movie broken up into parts, I think is proved in the name itself, but it's really, really proven, you know, the, this model and I talked about this in a previous TIE Fighter Renegades that I put out there that was actually part of a Patreon-only Q&A uh, that I had done. But the conversation in that was, you know, the problem with a lot of these streaming shows is they're not meant to be consumed on a weekly basis. They're not even meant to be binge-watched, right? I mean, what is binge-watching by definition anyway? But they're not even really meant to be binge-watched. They're meant to, they're really meant to be movies, and that leads to all kinds of good things as well as problems within it. But mainly I think it leads to problems no matter how great it is. And Ahsoka is great. Um, but you can just, you, you can feel pacing issues at times. You can feel like, Oh, we didn't have to do all this. We didn't have to, you know, it, it, it's, it all, it all leads up to, I think some very weird editing. We'll just put it that way. Okay. That that's really what it boils down to. Um, because this, in my opinion, of course, we'll find out more when part eight comes out. But in my opinion right now, this should have been a movie. This should have been in theaters. This should have been really, this should have been the sequel to return of the Jedi as it stands. Part eight could fuck that all up, but we'll see what happens as it stands right now, though. Really each episode has only gotten better up until part seven, part seven, not that it was bad, but part seven, in my opinion, did not live up to, I mean, just the, just the hammer, uh, of action and insight and, and, and so many other things that particularly five parts, five and part six delivered. Okay. Part four was great too. Not, not taking anything away from that. All right. But part five and part six, I mean, that was, uh, I want to say each of those episodes was about 50, 51 minutes a piece. Um, that's some of the best star Wars I've ever seen in my life. Just awesome. You know, in fact, one thing, you know, a lot of people are comparing this to Andor. you know, are comparing Ahsoka to Andor. Why? Because they're like the two shows, live action shows made that are actually pretty fucking good. <laughs> uh, and 
you know, I mean, I right now, I think Ahsoka is the better show. And I know a lot of people who disagree with me. And I understand why, okay? And to some degree, it might be a case of apples and oranges. Andor is the better show, I, I mean, I can admit, is kind of the better all-rounder show. As in, if you're not looking to watch Star Wars, or you're not even into science fiction so much, or you're not, you know, you're just looking for great drama, Andor is the better show. Okay, but what's the better Star Wars show? I think Ahsoka is the better Star Wars show, as it stands. Okay, because Andor, I think you can pull the Star Wars out of it, and it's still a kick-ass show. Of course, it has twice the meaning, three times the meaning, you know, it being Star Wars, and, you know, you finding out so much um, about how the Empire does business and the Imperial Security Bureau and so on. But really, that show could work completely, that, that show and universe could work completely on its own if it wanted to. All right. As to where Ahsoka is just central, you know, like Star Wars, all the elements of Star Wars, the mis- especially the mystical elements are just so baked into it. Um, I also think that, you know, as much as I cracked a joke earlier about the show being, uh, you know, having the show begin with the letter A until they went with Ahsoka. Um, a lot of people are making the comment that this is really Rebels season five. That's not unfair. I think that's accurate. Um, I think maybe naming the show Ahsoka could be a mistake. Like, I think there's so much more going on here. Um, I'm not saying I know what the show could have been named or that I have a better idea necessarily. Um, but I really think that this show should have been called something else. Uh, because yes, it's about Ahsoka, but then at the same time, it's really kind of not, there's so much going on here. There's so much cool shit, you know? And honestly, as great as Ahsoka is, and look, I mean, Ahsoka's doing awesome. Rosario Dawson is doing a phenomenal job, in my opinion, in this. Um, even the younger Ahsoka that we got to see uh, in part five during the flashback sequences, which, spoiler alerts, of course, folks, uh, the flashback sequences, you know, with Anakin um, while they're in the world between worlds, um, you know, and that that gal, in fact, it was really cool because that's the same gal that played uh, that played like the, the very young uh, Gamora, you know, in... Um, in guardians of the galaxy. Anyway, Ahsoka is truly awesome in this and it is a character evolving. And we're going to talk about some of that uh, throughout this, but it's really, for me, the best parts of the show are kind of everybody else, right? <laughs> like it's, you know, Sabine's doing a, I mean, I'm totally digging what the arc that's happening with Sabine. Um, we do finally, you know, in part six, we do finally get to see Ezra as the older guy. We get to see space Aladdin looking very much like space Aladdin he even has like the, the really like bright blue eyes. It's dynamite casting there and works totally, totally works, especially when we watch part seven. Um, great chemistry right off the get go, but you know, like seeing Ezra is awesome. Uh, Thrawn, we finally, yeah, we're going to talk about that because as many sovereign tech listeners know, uh, longtime listeners of this show know that Thrawn is my favorite star Wars character. So to finally see him, we got to make some commentary on that. Uh, certainly very exciting. And, you know, Balin and Shin are total show stealers, total show stealers. Uh, particularly in part six. Uh, I mean, I'm like, I'm just dying to know more about these two. And that's the thing. I'm not really dying for anything more of Ahsoka, but everybody else, what's going on with the Night Sisters? In fact, one of those is played by 
Claudia Black, of all things, talking about bringing in some sci-fi royalty there from, you know, SG-1, Pitch Black, and of course, Farscape. I mean, boy, they want to bring in, bring in uh, Ben Browder, like, please, <laughs> let's do it. Um, I mean, not, not odd, you know, for Filoni and Favreau to bring in, you know, all kinds of actors from sci-fi history, like Michael Bean, you know, was in the Mandalorian and, and, you know, go down the list, uh, or, you know, even Carl Weathers though, you know, maybe not as well known for predator as he is for the Rocky movies, regardless, you know, bringing in all these, you know, everybody that you can, that, that real cinematic and sci-fi sweaties would know, I think is a brilliant move, uh, on, on their part. And they've been doing that across their properties. Um, Anyway, I'm yeah, I'm just you know knowing more about the Night Sisters, knowing more about you know what's going on with Thrawn, even following the the exploits amongst the the New Republic uh, uh, politicians, you know, uh, following what what Hera's up to, her son Jason, which we finally got to experience, and all this. Like all of these things are so fascinating and so well presented, albeit in a touch of a mystery, but so well presented, like. I'm just saying nothing against Ahsoka. She's great. It's just not what excites me, <laughs> you know? And, 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 and I say that as a fan of the character, I say it as a big fan of the character. Uh, and I don't have the critiques of her presentation. Again, I think she's doing dynamite. The thing is just everybody else around her are either things we've always wanted to really see in live action for sometimes for decades before Ahsoka was a gleam and whoever's, whether it's Lucas's or Filoni's eyes or both. Um, you know, to finally see all like, she's just, <laughs> she's kind of outweighed in this outmatched, uh, from, from a presentation perspective. So anyway, that, that's, that's where we're at, but isn't that a great problem to have? <laughs> yeah, it is. At the same time, the show feels kind of misnamed, right? Ultimately. Um, so let, let's get into this. Let, you know, let, let's, let's talk about things overall. Uh, since last we discussed Ahsoka. So part four, I think perhaps, you know, one of the most, me the, the two most memorable things about part four, um, you know, we do get to that planet where they do get to discover the map to be able to get to that other galaxy where Peridia is and so on. Um, we get a little more mystery. Yes. From, from Balin and Shin as to what they're up to. And, but this leads to really kind of the two big things of that episode. That being, we find out that Morak is basically nothing uh, and clearly, or it seems to be clearly a aspect of Night Sister magic, where this is somebody who's resurrected from the dead, um, was an Inquisitor. You know, there was a lot of talk that, and even I was starting to fall into this idea. Oh, I think Morak is, is uh, you know, Gail Merrick, you know, is, is or is the Starkiller. Um, and turns out that 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 is not the case <laughs> like he's basically he was just a red herring and you know he go he literally goes up in a puff of smoke during a lightsaber fight uh tremendous lightsaber battles in this and i mean that like like the 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 force user battles in this episode were top-notch uh very pleased with how that turned out that's something we'll talk about throughout these uh throughout these few parts that we're reviewing here um but the other big thing that would end up happening so we find out that morak is really Again, just a red herring is nothing. Uh, the other big, big deal is the reveal at the end of it. Once Balin thinks that he's defeated Ahsoka and that Ahsoka is dead. He or we get to we, we end up in the world between worlds, a very nice transition from the waves 
of the planet that they're on and then ending up, you know, like that ends up melding into kind of the bridge work that exists within the world between worlds. And you get to see a clearly de-aged CGI de-aged Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker again. Great way to end the episode. I know people complained about the use of de-aging CGI that it didn't look that legit. I thought it was fine. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of moments where the action in this, clearly they don't have the big budget to do a lot of CGI at like the super high levels. I think that's kind of, I don't mind it. I can see it when it happens, but I don't care because the story's so good. You know, I don't give a shit really about the effects and that, that really sums up how I feel about the de-aging or perhaps the poor de-aging done at least in part four on Anakin Skywalker. Um, but it does speak to the problem that again, this should have been a movie. This should have had a massive $250 million, whatever budget. Uh, and it's a crime that it didn't because I, I could just imagine so much more could have been done, but regardless, we'll move on. And maybe that's a conversation to have when Rob is on and we can expand on that more. Um, but that said, So we end up in the world between worlds. Now that leads right into part five, which is titled shadow warrior. Now that doesn't mean that it's about a character named low Wang. Not that I wouldn't have mind him showing up. Uh, the good kids will get that joke. But anyway, uh, part five largely deals within the world between worlds and it does have some great moments outside of it. I'll talk about those. Um, but we, you know, we're, we're going right in on that and The big question to come out of this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like rehash everything that happens in the episode. I just want to hit the high notes. The big question that came out of this was, was Ahsoka really in the world between worlds? And was that really a force ghost version of, um, you know, of Anakin that Ahsoka was fighting and experiencing, um, including throughout her, uh, 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 you know, the moments in the world between worlds where she ends up, you know, kind of, kind of traveling back to missions during the clone wars when she was much younger. Um, the short answer to that is absolutely. Yes. That was the world between worlds and absolutely. Yes. That was Anakin Skywalker. And why? Because one of the greatest moments now, in my opinion, in star Wars history, uh, happens that proves the point. And there's the point where Ahsoka says to Anakin, in the world between worlds says to him, I won't fight you. I will not fight you. And Anakin responds with, I've heard that before. Okay. Let's be clear on this. He is referencing, and it's beautiful. He is referencing return of the Jedi. When Luke says to Vader, I will not fight you. Okay. He's remembering that. Now, so here's the thing. Ahsoka was not there to know that that was fucking said. Okay. So, everybody just shut the fuck up. Okay. Like, like, yes, that really was the world between worlds. Yes. That really was Anakin. Okay. Because only Anakin and Luke would know that. Well, and the emperor, I suppose, but unless you're going to say the emperor was like toying around with, with Ahsoka's head and I'm not hearing anybody say that. And if you're going to claim that, holy fuck, you know, we've got a whole, a whole bunch of other problems to discuss. Okay. Um, bottom line, like he is calling things out that only Anakin would know that are independent of Ahsoka's mind. Okay. So yes, that's truly Anakin. Yes. That is the world between worlds. Okay. Now the presentation of the world between worlds in this episode, uh, as to what it is, and they don't even really talk about it, you know, and I, and I think that's fine. 
Like there's no need to deep dive on it because you get the, just, you get the overall sense that it's being treated like an afterlife and maybe it's where force ghosts hang out. And, and with all of that said, I think that that's, that works. Like that's pretty cool. You know, the world between worlds is such a large concept. It can really be a lot of things. Um, but I'd rather it be this, you know, uh, a purgatory or even limbo, you know, something along those lines, some form of afterlife, or I'd rather have them concentrate on that aspect of it and have it be a home for the force ghosts, which would make sense as to why say Darcidius, you know, why Palpatine couldn't go into it. Right. Because as George Lucas laid out, the Sith don't really have access to immortality, even though the Sith are all about gaining immortality. Okay. And, and existing in the world between worlds is one sense of immortality. Um, you know, like I, I'm, I'm cool with that for varying reasons. Also, one of the critiques that I also think is incredibly short-sighted and nitpicky, uh, and saying that it's short-sighted and nitpicky is just my nice way of saying it's fucking stupid, um, <laughs> is, well, why doesn't Anakin tell her that, oh, there's a huge fleet on Exegol, and why doesn't he warn her about Palpatine being st still being alive, and why doesn't he warn her about blah, 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 you know, and like trying to find these inconsistencies in the story. Okay, hey. I'm with you. The sequel trilogy overall sucks in movie form, book form, different story, movie form. They're bad. Uh, overall, you know, even though the force awakens was great at the time, but then once we got the context of the following two films turns into a, you know, a flying, uh, <laughs> a flying piece of shit. Um, there's plenty of contradictions within those movies. Okay. However, like, that doesn't, you know, now what Filoni and Favreau can do is they can pick up those pieces. Okay. And they don't have to engage in contradiction. So very simply, why didn't Anakin tell Ahsoka that the emperor is still alive, that there's a fleet on Exegol and that that's the real problem. Don't worry about Thrawn. Thrawn's nothing or something along those lines. Well, here's the deal. If force ghosts, right. Um, if force ghosts exist in the world between worlds, like that's their natural habitat, which would make a lot of sense and would also explain a lot of things that happen in some of the certain point of view books, uh, anthology books that have come out, particularly with like Qui-Gon watching over Obi-Wan. Um, anyway, if, if, it, if they exist in the world between worlds, yes, I like that they're concentrating on it just sort of being a force afterlife. But it is still, we know from Rebels, we know that the world between worlds is more than that. It is also, frankly, a way to time travel, okay? Um, and, and also travel, like, to other parts of the universe, not just the galaxy, really, I suppose, but, but the entire universe. Um, and if you want me to get into theories around the Zepho, we're going to save that. I'm going to let Rob you know, speak his piece about that. There's been some great research on how, oh, all of this is referencing the Zepho and everything. And we'll see if we find that out. And I'll explain more why I'm not going to get into that right now, uh, later when we talk about the upcoming part eight. Okay. But anyway, the world between worlds does allow you to travel through time. So force ghosts that exist within the world between worlds can probably see things like we saw happen in rebels. They can see things before they happen. Right. And, as in they could see far into the future, far into the past. Anakin might likely see into the future, a future past the rise of Skywalker 
and knows that the events of Rise of Skywalker have to happen. This has to occur. Kind of like how, no, really, like you could save Kanan, but Kanan really has to die, right? Like in, in what happened in Star Wars Rebels. Okay. And so he's not telling her about it because this has to happen for the Emperor to finally be defeated. This is the direction it has to go. The Emperor has to get as dumb as it might be. The Emperor has to get defeated, you know, by his own progeny. Um, it's the only way it's going to happen, whatever. And he might know all that. So no, like these force ghosts in the world between worlds are not going to reveal to anybody that ends up there either by accident or whatever, or intention. They're not going to reveal to them every little goddamn thing that they need to be worried about, because some of these events have to happen in the way that they occur, because it's the only way that they can meet resolution. Not to say that there's necessarily predestiny, but there is a string of things kind of like what the night sisters access, right? There are threads that have to come together. All right. To get to the other side of whatever the event happens to be either the, the, the return of Palpatine or whatever it happens to be. So people saying that, like, just, just shut up. <laughs> I really, I mean, cause here's, I mean, this is what drives me nuts is you get people who have to on YouTube or wherever else who have to get behind the microphone and they just have to find something to talk about, or they have to find something to nitpick, or they have to find something to complain about. And you can tell, you know, because, and, and I think it's, it's particularly bad with a lot of people around Ahsoka. I mean, there's critiques to be made. I'm not saying there aren't. Okay. But a lot of things around Ahsoka, I think a lot of Star Wars YouTubers are like, oh, I got to be careful. I don't want to be like, holy shit, they're doing something really, really great. Uh, because then I'm going to piss off the anti Kathleen Kennedy crowd. Uh, and so I, I gotta have, I, I gotta seem like I'm unbiased. So, you know, and I'm not that excited. So I gotta come up with shit to, to complain about, or, or I have to come up with, uh, you know, inconsistencies and whatever else. And that's, that's really a lot of times what it feels like with this, because I think there's easy explanations for most of this stuff. Um, but whatever. So moving right along, uh, the whole, that whole part five, you know, and the interaction with, Ahsoka and Anakin is just dynamite. Um, and there's things I never, re I honestly, that I hadn't noticed before. Like I didn't realize until I saw it in live action that Anakin's, uh, you know, before he gets the outfit that we know him so well in p later parts of the clone wars. And of course in episode three, that being, you know, revenge of the Sith, um, his initial clone wars outfit. I didn't realize how much it looked like Darth Vader's armor until I saw it in, in live action. Uh, and that's genius. You know, um, Hayden Christensen, I think completely delivered on this and really did a lot to reclaim his role as Anakin Skywalker, which, you know, to some degree, I think Matt Lanner kind of took from him during his tenure, uh, of voice acting in the clone wars and elsewhere. Um, but he did a lot to reclaim that and he did really, really well. He was funny. Um, there were moments that, you know, where, where he's shifting to being a, you know, Sith Anakin, right. More of a Darth Vader. And like when he, when he responds to Ahsoka with incorrect, I mean, that, that, that was awesome. You know, there, there were just so many cool moments in this. Um, I'm sure we'll deep dive on some of these, uh, in a future TIE fighter renegades, just because some of them will be like our favorite moments of the series overall. Um, but I was nothing less than pleased with that. And that, that episode set the bar so high also with, you know, like Jason, uh, you know, Jason Sindula, Hera's son, 
um, helping them find or realize that Ahsoka, you know, is at least, if not still alive, at least still accessible or could be brought back. You know, he's hearing the lightsabers and the waves. Um, I loved it when Hu Yang, the droid Hu Yang, you know, walks up to Carson, right, Captain Teva, and says to Carson, <laughs> you know, because Carson's like, well, somebody explain to me what's going on. And Hu Yang says, oh, Jason's father was a Jedi, Kanan Jarrus. He has abilities. And Carson just responds with, okay, well, let's go. <laughs> let's get moving. And I just love how he just accepts it. It's like, oh, Jedi shit. All right, let's go. <laughs> that, was, that was so well done. So funny. Uh, Captain Tava is really becoming a, a, a personal favorite character uh, of mine, both throughout, you know, the Mandalorian and of course what he is doing um, in, well, in this show uh, overall. Um, just, just so fun. You know, and he's really, he's standing there in place of the audience in some ways akin to how Han Solo was the audience, like just the normal person who doesn't believe in shit and is experiencing all this, you know, wild and crazy force user action and everything. And, you know, how you're supposed to handle that and how you're supposed to react to that. Uh, I think Captain Tava is kind of taking that place for the audience and that really helps you connect with the show. And I think that ends up working out very, very well. Um, Again, this part five really set the bar so high. I was like, holy shit, what are they going to do in part six? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. They were probably going to end up in the other, um, you know, in the other galaxy. But where do we go from here? You know, and something else I want to bring up quick from part five that I have not heard a lot of the other YouTube commentators and other people who claim they know shit about Star Wars, uh, you know, really bring up is. I thought it was great. Okay, like you know, <laughs> Filoni getting justice for his space whales, for the Purgles, you know, and saying it's like, oh, no, this isn't just, you know, that episode of Rebels where I introduced these things. That wasn't just some filler. This wasn't some nice environmentalist message. This is going to be core to Star Wars. Fucking right. That was great. Um, I'm glad he's doing that. But OK, everybody's talking about how and I'm not going to go deep dive on this. You can look up more into it about how, you know, Filoni has and he has regularly referenced Ahsoka with the Lord of the Rings character, um, of course, Gandalf. And, you know, the idea of her being like Ahsoka the Grey, how Gandalf was Gandalf the Grey, and then, you know, he he goes through his uh, resurrection moment, as it were, and he becomes Gandalf the White, and Ahsoka ends up becoming Ahsoka the White, really towards the end of, uh, or, you know, at the end of, of the part five here. Um, this, of course, is was foreshadowed, by what we saw in the finale of Star Wars Rebels, you know, with her with the staff and whatever. Hopefully we still end up getting that staff. Um, so her becoming Ahsoka the White. So like, th so th that that's a that's a Lord of the Rings reference. That's Lord of the Rings, of course, written by J.R. Tolkien. Uh, what I think is really impressive about this. Yeah, there's that. But Filoni doubled down on the Tolkien reference. Okay. In that, Obviously, there is a biblical parallel to Ahsoka riding the Purgles, you know, going into the mouth of the whale to the other galaxy to get to the other galaxy. Right. Um, just like, you know, it's the book of Jonah. Sure. And why not? Right. <laughs> you know, like Isaac Asimov said, uh, every story already exists and it's it's in the Old Testament. Uh, but but anyway, that that's that's fine. Um, but what's really impressive that I don't think a lot of people know, but I'm going to guess just going to guess, going to hope that Filoni didn't just do this by mistake. Um, he's probably a hardcore Tolkien fan. 
Uh, and I'm a fan of Tolkien as well. Uh, now, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about Tolkien is he actually helped with a translation of the Bible, particularly the, you know, Tolkien was a hardcore Catholic and it was particularly the new Jerusalem Bible, which is a, you know, quote unquote Catholic Bible. Now he only worked on one book in that whole Bible in that translation. What book was it? Yeah. The book of Jonah. <laughs> so I thought when I saw her go into the mouth of the whale, I was like, Oh, that's good. <laughs> that, that's, that's really good. Like that's a deep, you know, I mean, you, you've got to be a dork of dorks to know that one. I mean, not only, you know, a fan of star Wars, but you also have to be a fan of Lord of the Rings and a bit of a biblical scholar yourself, uh, which I happen to be all three. And that was dynamite to see that. I, I, th I thought that was so well done and what a great way to end things off. Um, I will say this, uh, the one thing that has been a little annoying that I'll just mention briefly is the amount of callbacks, um, to scenes throughout the original trilogy. And, and also honestly, I mean, I think there's like, there's prop as in props as in, you know, things that people use, uh, or ships or whatever that are callbacks to the prequel trilogy, but the callbacks to the original trilogy, stylistic callbacks, the poetry, as George Lucas would say, sometimes gets a little thick. Like even at the end of part five, where, you know, Ahsoka is like, it's like, I'll find them. I'll, I promise, you know, like that, that's totally reference to the empire strikes back. That's almost exactly what Lando says on his search for Han Solo. Right. Um, and I, <sighs> There, there's a lot of those. I mean, there's a lot. I could bring up a ton of examples like that, where they do that. Um, even in part six, when, uh, Sabine is looking for Ezra, you know, and she's riding the howler. Okay. Yeah. It's a howler. It's not a Tauntaun, but she talks to it just like Luke talked to the Tauntaun, you know, like, do you smell something? And even had the same scanner as they had in the Empire Strikes Back. Like sometimes it was just a little too on the nose. Okay. Uh, I get why they do that. I understand the nostalgia bait and member berries and things like this, whatever. Okay. But, and most of the time I don't mind it. And I mean, like doing the callback to what Luke said in return of the Jedi, when fighting Vader, like they did in part five, where he says, you know, where, where Anakin says, I've heard that before. That's different, right? You're referencing a past scene. The, but, but just this like blatant poetry as it were, like I said, as Lucas would call it, it rhymes, right? It, it sometimes got to be a little much. Uh, like I, if I had a genuine nitpick of the show, it's that it's, but then most people can't quote the original trilogy verbatim. And so they, they wouldn't notice it, but I do, you know, and I, and I just, I don't like the unconscious subconscious nature of that kind of writing. Not really, not now when it's done this hard and that much, I, I, but regardless, um, Part five was a, was a tough act to follow. Uh, but part six completely delivered, um, and was, you know, amazingly like raised the bar again, perhaps to an impossible level, partly because you're finally getting Thrawn in live action. Um, you're getting, you know, like Ezra comes back. There's so much that goes on in this episode. The very fun, uh, conversation between Hu Yang and Ahsoka, uh, while they're in the, the, the belly of the beast, while they're in the whale, um, was, was great. You know, where he's talking about, oh yes, history of the world, part one, two, and three. 
And of course, Ahsoka says the first one's still the best, <laughs> which isn't true. Uh, unless she meant episode one, then I, I might buy into her argument. But regardless, uh, you know, and then him saying, you know, all right, where she says, yeah, go ahead and tell me the story. And Hu Yang starts it off with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is just priceless. Like, that's very well done to do that kind of inclusion. It's very different than the, the poetry, the overused poetry throughout much of the series. Um, I thought that that was super well done. Anyway, so we are in uh, part six. And yes, we get we finally get Thrawn. Uh, when you see the Chimera, his Star Destroyer, and you know it's his because of the, the twin snake design underneath it. Um, you know, your mind's just blown. It's like, holy fucking shit. I've been waiting for this since the early 90s to finally see Thrawn. You know, like really see Thrawn. I mean, he's great in Rebels, but like, to really see him. Wow. Um, and I thought that, that Mads, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Lars Mickelson, not Mads, Lars Mickelson, uh, brother to Mads. Uh, I thought he did, you know, his, he is the voice of Thrawn now as great as Mark Thompson was in reading any of the Disney printed Thrawn books. Um, really Lar Lars is the voice, you know, and <sighs> He's the voice, but I got to admit, he's not exactly the look that we've been presented with. Now, grant you, Thrawn has had a lot of different interpretations as far as look over comics, novel covers, even Rebels and so on. Like he's had a different look in a lot of different uh, 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 avenues. Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go too crazy about here, about it here, because I'm not going to say that like, oh, he, wow, he didn't really look like Thrawn or something because again, ultimately what does Thrawn really look like? Um, I thought they got the red eyes like that, that, that's so well done. They, they did that brilliant genius, nice work, uh, because that, that those red eyes say so much. Um, I really dig that. Uh, I know some people are complaining about, like, it seems like his hairline is a little too far back. Granted, this is a slightly older Thrawn. Um, my ultimate complaint, I don't feel like his jaw is there enough. And then also, and hey, you know what? In one sense, like, I'm of two minds on this. In one sense, I am fully supportive of Hollywood normalizing older people kicking ass. Okay. You know, and I've talked about this many times where like, you know, one of the things I love about Star Trek five and Star Trek six, is you got people in their fifties and sixties who are saving the fucking galaxy and doing like action movie shit, you know, like, and, and that's awesome. Like, I love that kind of normalizing of older people, you know, uh, uh, kicking ass and being just as strong and powerful as anybody beneath, right. Or as anybody younger or what, you know what I mean? Um, also I think it's good to normalize you know, different body types, like that's okay. You know, one of the, you know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Um, one of the things I've always appreciated, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time was Dusty Rhodes. You look at Dusty Rhodes. He doesn't look like, I mean, and then compare him to most of, you know, the, the champions that people think of in wrestling, he looks nothing like him, you know, and it's so cool to have somebody with, a, with a different body type. So in one sense, like, I love this normalizing of a lot of different body types, ages and whatever, engaging in, you know, uh, uh, major aspects of these, you know, stories. Okay. On the other side, one of the things we do know about Thrawn is this guy's like beating the shit out of dark troopers, right? <laughs> like doing spin kicks and all this other crap. And for him to have a gut, which, which Lars kind of has, 
uh, it, it seemed a little off. That's all I'm going to say. Again, I'm of two minds on it. And really the only reason I can complain is because, you know, like part of what made Thrawn such a great character, you know, is his mental acumen. And I thought it was brilliant that Star Wars always presented him with a tremendous physical acumen at the same time. And for him to not have that physical acumen uh, or, or physicality, I, I think you lose something there, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a nit that, that is a nitpick. Okay. And ultimately I, I think Lars is doing a great job and that, that's what I got. You know, it's the same, I mean, the same complaint I think that some people made that was valid about Boba Fett, you know, and tomorrow Morrison's a great actor and I wouldn't want anyone else playing Boba Fett. Uh, I mean, if they want to recast, they can, but I really wouldn't want that. Uh, but like for him to be clearly so out of shape, really fucks with the the strength that is Boba Fett. And I think the same thing kind of happens here with Thrawn. So that was a little disappointing. Again, that's complete. That's not because I'm saying people can't have different body types. No, I'm fully supportive of that. The issue is there's a presentation and there is a canonicity of what we know of these characters like Boba Fett and Thrawn. And these body types don't necessarily lend to that. And that's it. That's it. Okay. Anyway, Thrawn was awesome getting to see him uh, in live action for the first time. Absolutely amazing. Uh, overall, you know, minus a couple of nitpicks, everything I could have imagined, uh, everything I could have wanted. Very interesting when we encounter him that he has a, his, his captain, his second in command is a guy named Enoch. Now, of course, that spoke to me in a lot of different ways. And if you're a Sovereign Tech patron, you know why. Uh, but we'll leave I'll leave that at that for right now. I think as far as the naming of Enoch at first, my first thought was on this, uh, is that Enoch is because we know thanks to what, what was going on with inquisitor Merrick Mark, uh, that the night sisters are raising people from the dead. There's a good chance based on some of Thrawn's comments in part six, that, these night troopers as they're called his stormtroopers, that are like wrapped in some night sister threading and clothing, um, that a lot of them are actually resurrected. You know, they're, they're, they're not zombies, but dang near. Um, and so my first thought was that Enoch, that that's probably another biblical play on terms where, cause Enoch, of course, in the book of Genesis is also one of frankly, just one of the most famous biblical characters ever, especially for being in so little of the book. Um, but you know, it's, he's, he's famous for not having died, right? Cause God took him and the idea is that he was translated to heaven. Um, so the idea that Enoch is the only night trooper that didn't die, right? I thought might've been, you know, that, that, that could have been clever, well, clever naming. We'll just say that and clever foreshadowing or clever, you know, it's clues. But when you get to part seven, we do get a fight with the night troopers. And honestly, they're not going up in smoke, uh, and bursting like, uh, inquisitor Morak did. So, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, either way, I think it's cool that the name Enoch has found its way into pop culture, uh, or in, in major pop culture, that being star Wars. Um, I mean, it's not like Star Wars is, uh, you know, is afraid of biblical names. Obviously, you have Ezra, uh, you have Canaan, you have, I mean, like there's so many, uh, particularly since Filoni uh, has been running some things. So 
anyway, I thought that that was cool. Maybe that's still what's going on with Enoch. Um, but it would appear that the night troopers are not, maybe some of them are, you know, reconstituted, resurrected, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, anyway, that, that episode, you know, again, Balin, like I said earlier, Balin and Shin really stole the show on that one. Um, hearing Balin talking about that he was training Shin to be more than a Jedi, um, and that he's clearly there looking for something. <sighs> this is going to go right into, in, into part seven and let's just go right into the conversation on part seven. Um, the part six with all of that stuff going on, revealing more of what Balin and Shin are about having Thrawn come back, finally having the great moment where Ezra is found, you know, and him and, and, uh, and Sabine reunite. Um, even the fun conversation with, you know, with Hugh Yang and, and, uh, and Sabine, or I mean, with, uh, uh, Ahsoka, you know, all that was dynamite. Okay. Made for an incredible episode. Part seven is the first time in this series run where I was like, Oh, that episode was not as good as the last. And it wasn't better than the last either. Uh, and that was kind of disappointing. Like I watched it. Like I stayed up late. I stayed up past bedtime to watch this baby. Me and me and Ellen did, uh, you know, at night, 9 PM Eastern when they, uh, first air on Disney plus I was there watching it. Okay. Uh, and that was really disappointing, <laughs> you know, like I was so hyped up. I'm like, wow, every episode has been better. What the fuck are they going to do now? And it wasn't a bad part. Seven wasn't a bad episode by any means. Okay. It, no, it really wasn't. There was nothing wrong with it. The only thing that's wrong with it is we only have one episode left. We only have part eight left. And there are so many questions. There are so many loose threads. There is so much stuff that you're kind of expecting to happen that unless this episode, unless part eight is two hours long, I don't know that you can fit it all in at this point. Like the pacing was doing okay, but that's the thing. A lot of what happened in part seven, good stuff. I'll talk about some of it. Good stuff. The action sequences, all that. Like I, I dig it. Um, Ezra looked a little weird just using the force, but I have a comment on that. Okay. Um, you know, the naughty are really cool. Like those, those little crab people. I mean, I love their trailer park, right? I mean, in part six, you even have one, you know, it almost felt like the last starfighter. You even have one of them up there fixing the antenna <laughs> on it. Like all, all of that was so cool. Uh, all the designs, everything going on was really cool. Okay. Um, but half of what they showed happen. I didn't need to see that happen. You could have, you could have, uh, told and not shown in, in my opinion, because the stuff we do need to see happen or we're told is supposed to be coming, um, hasn't happened yet. And we only have one episode left. And that bothers me as to where, again, up to, you know, up to after from parts, seeing part six, I was like, yeah, okay. We have two more episodes. That's plenty of time to get a bunch of answers and to have a lot of action happen. Part seven kind of killed that notion, killed that pacing in my opinion. Um, and so we might end up getting a season two here. I don't know. Um, regardless, let me talk about a couple things within part seven, uh, that, well, one I loved one I'm a little worried about, but I could end up being wrong. I love the idea of Ezra not using a lightsaber, not even wanting to use a blaster. It reminds me very much of Ben Skywalker, not Ben Solo, not that loser, Ben Skywalker. Okay. From the old EU where, you know, if you remember the, uh, you know, 
Princess Leia and Han Solo had three kids. They had Jason, or, or Jaken, if you want to go that way, uh, Gianna, and Ben. Okay, Ben was the youngest. You know, uh, Jason or Jaken and and Gianna were 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 twins. Um, Ben had a very. They each of them seemed to have a very different view on the Force, and Ben's view was that we should use the force for everything. Like, I don't need a lightsaber. I don't need to do this. I don't even need technology. Like the force can just do it all. And he was so strong in the force that for him, it really could seemingly do it all. Um, Ben Skywalker met an ignanimous end. I would say in the new Jedi order books, uh, which kind of cheapened the death of Chewbacca because Chewbacca died saving Ben. And then Chewbacca, then Ben ended up dying. Uh, but regardless, like I always appreciated Ben's perspective on just using this, this mystical power, uh, all the time and for everything. Like I, I thought, you know, he didn't even really like work out so much. He didn't do this or that. And if Ezra is kind of playing on that idea where it's like, no, I'll just, I'll have the force fucking do everything. You know, that it's great to have that different perspective on force usage. So I like that. Um, I haven't heard a lot of commentators bring that up, but I kind of wonder if that's what Filoni was going for. And I think that that works. Uh, the other part that I'm, and this is where I get a little worried is it seems like Shin and Balin are going their separate ways. Now that is incredibly disappointing because I wanted to see, wait, what is Balin trying to build? And wouldn't Shin be like the first student of what Balin is trying to build? Why do this? Uh, it really kind of fucks with the relationship that I've really been digging that those two have where she seems to very much look up to him and his wisdom and his strength and power. Uh, and he appreciates and cares very much about her, which is why he flips out when Ahsoka, you know, force tosses her, uh, or force pushes her against, uh, you know, a hinge, a stone, you know, giant stone in, uh, in part four. Um, like there's so much more I want to know about this relationship. I mean, yeah, maybe you could do it in a novel or something like that, but they, they really kind of botched that. And a part of me wonders if changes were made here using CGI and whatever else so that you could write, uh, Balin's character out because of the unfortunate untimely death of Ray Stevenson, the actor who plays him. Just a guess. I don't know. I can't say that that's true. Maybe there's going to be more done. Uh, my biggest hope is that Balin gets just recast him. The character is great. You're probably not going to get anybody who feels like such a natural fit for this type of like dark Jedi, gray Jedi character, but that's fine. We need the, the story matters more than the effects, more than the actors. Right. And me, I was supportive of them even recasting princess, you know, recasting Leia Organa. I was like, yeah, bring in, uh, you know, you know, bring in, uh, 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 Catherine Mulgrew, right. Or, I mean, you know, Kate Mulgrew, who of course played Captain Catherine Janeway. Um, but yeah, I, that's, I think that's what they should have done. You know, instead of getting this bastardized CGI version that just seemed weird in so many ways, it was really kind of sad. Um, yeah, I hope they recast. I really want more of this character. And, and I hope that, you know, Shin doesn't run off with the night troopers. So maybe she's going back to Balin and I, I hope that that's what's going on and that this quick separation was just some kind of aberration. I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And 
And again, what's going on in the plans for, uh, for and of Balin and Shin, that's one of the things where like, holy shit, give us a whole episode where he's just telling us what the, what the plan is, like what he's looking forward to doing. Um, but we're, there's no way we're going to get that right now because again, we only have part eight left and that's, that's really disappointing to me. So I didn't like this, the separation direction that they went in. Um, and they're better. They're sure as fuck better not be some kind of redemption arc for either Balin or for Shin. Like, please stop that. Let villains be fucking villains. Oh man. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see. Um, and I kind of wonder also, I mean, I don't think it's the Yuzen Vong that Balin is seeing, uh, partly because he's seeing them. And that was the idea with the Yuzen Vong is that force users couldn't see them. That was part of their, you know, from the new Jedi order, the kind of the big bad there. Um, I don't think they need, I mean, I know the Yuzen Vong were going to be a part of Clone Wars. Um, I don't think that that needs to happen. They don't have to be a part of Disney's universe. They probably will at some point just because it's going to be member berries and it's going to be like, Oh no, no, this was, you can't complain about this because it wasn't our idea. It was an idea before we even owned this fucker. Right. And that seems how they'd like to get away with things. Um, but there's a big deal that all of this, what's happening in Peridia could be related to an ancient species known as the Zepho. And that they might have even built like the gates to the world between worlds and a lot of this stuff. And and this isn't just theory. This comes out of some translations of uh, things throughout the show. So I'm kind of open to that, but that that's something we, we got to see what happens there. I'm not I'm not going to dive into that kind of speculation. Partly because again, like especially what happened with Morak, like you know, they threw everybody for a loop there. And I think that kind of speculation is almost, you know, like that in story kind of speculation is, is almost pointless at the, at this stage. So I'm not really going to go there with this. Okay. Um, and again, we'll talk more about the ZFO maybe when we get some answers in part eight, but we might not get them because like I said, it feels like there's, there are so many loose threads that have to get sewn up here. It's worse than the X-Files. Uh, so many answers that we want to get that I don't necessarily think we're going to get them. Um, you know, I mentioned Leia Organa throughout this. I thought the treatment of that character was fantastic throughout the show so far. I thought bringing in C-3PO to represent her was a brilliant move instead of bringing in a CGI Leia. Um, again, I'm all about recasting. Like if they want to do that with any of this and, and it's same thing with, you know, honestly with Luke Skywalker, when that time comes, it's about time recast, just, just do it. Okay. We've had him back. We've had our CGI version of Luke. Now let's just do the recasting and let's be done with it. And let's have people that we can build off of, uh, without having to, you know, use freaky ass tech. Right. Um, so that's where I'm at. And that's why I, you know, also hope it happens with, uh, with Balin. Um, yeah, you know, we're really hoping for, I mean, you know, can Thrawn really be a threat in one episode? Cause that's all we have left with part eight. I mean, maybe this episode's going to be super long, but I don't know. Uh, we're going to see if they're going to stick the landing. And Rob and I will be back on TIE Fighter Renegades to talk about it uh, and to talk about the entire, you know, the entire series or season, whatever it ends up being in the future. Um, and we'll be back with that review. So for now, I'm going to wrap that up. There's my thoughts on a lot of what was going on, including a couple tidbits that I haven't really heard anybody else talk about, particularly the Ben Skywalker connection with Ezra, uh, as well as, 
I don't think I've heard a lot of people talk about Enoch in that sense, but they probably have, you know, like you have these nerds who are out there that pretend that they know anything about, I mean, you know, all right, real, real fast. Look, I don't have to rip on YouTube people. Everybody does that. Uh, but, <laughs> but, and I've been asked to be one many times over and I, I still get tempted here and there. Um, but you know, most like, here's the thing. If I'm going to go on YouTube, you know, like if I was say I was going to put TIE fighter renegades on YouTube, I'm doing it on my own. That doesn't mean Rob or Ellen wouldn't be on it. Yeah, they, they most certainly would. I'm just saying it's me. It's our knowledge. I am not going to pretend that somehow I know more than I don't. Okay. I never do that. And that's part of why I think my podcast feed has been successful for so long is because it's authentic. Most of the guys on YouTube, they have other people editing. They have other people doing the research for them. They don't know all this shit. Like they just don't, you know, <laughs> or they're going to Wikipedia or whatever, you know, like these most of the people, most of the Star Wars YouTubers, they're not biblical scholars and it's fine. They don't have to be. I'm just saying, don't pretend to be, you know, and, and, and it's really, boy, it drives me nuts. <laughs> it just really does. Cause I just, you can tell like when you're somebody who actually, I mean, I am Dr. Brian Sovereign when you're somebody, you know, and that's a doctor of divinity. When you're somebody that actually does know, you know, when other people are faking it, you know, when other people don't know. And it's, it's just so blatant right now. It, it drives me nuts. But anyway, Ahsoka does not overall, you know, again, they just got to stick this landing with part eight. I think it's going to end up being great. Uh, it could be some of the greatest star Wars. It already has been some of the greatest star Wars ever done, but again, they got to stick that landing and we'll be back to see if they did next week on tie fighter renegades. See you on the other side. Woo!